What did it take you to realize that it was time to wake up? To wake up to something bigger that your heart was calling you forward to experience? To wake up to a role that you have to play in the world? Today's conversation is with Dr. Varun Gandhi, who is a life orchestrator, a solopreneur, an inventor, a philanthropist. He's going to share with us how to be socially conscious, how to be conscious of our own needs and desires, and how to navigate a world that tells us how we're supposed to be and instead be who we are. Join us to find out more. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. So join us on this beautiful journey. So let us show. So let us show. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that. You are invited. You're invited to, to join, join Soul Nectar Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to carryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com forward slash membership and sign up. We'll see you at our next tribe gathering. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is greater than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably towards something greater, to the mystery of who we are and what we're doing here on this planet at this time. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. I love having these conversations. They open up new realizations, new connections, new insights that help us then to transform our understanding of ourselves in the world. And when we're transformed, we become a new person. And when we're a new person, we take new actions. And when we take new actions in a beneficial way, we change the world. And really what we're here to talk about today is exactly that. How do we wake up the world to care about the planet? You guys know this is a passion of mine. I work with the Carol Shamans down there in Peru. I hear and I feel their connection with all of nature, every related grass, every animal, every bird. Everything, they feel connected to the mountain spirits. They're connected to everything there. And when you visit, if you come with me to Peru and we and we visit Peru together, you'll see, you'll feel that the land is alive. Like Mother Earth is alive. She's not sleeping down there. She's alive. She's awake. She's talking. She's only sleeping where nobody's paying attention. And, you know, that's kind of what we need to work on, isn't it? So we're about to have a really interesting conversation today with Dr. Varun Gandhi, who's here with us. He's a life orchestrator. I love that, by the way, life orchestrator, solopreneur, angel investor, inventor, philanthropist, and a water doctor. He enjoys orchestrating businesses, events, and ideas about the self. He's currently focused on creating a digital course called What's Your Story, which allows you to create your life film. And so all of this is, of course, according to the passion, the deep, deep passion 
that Dr. Varun has about helping wake up the world to care about this beautiful planet that we're on. Welcome, Varun, to the show. Thank you so much, Carrie. Love and abundance. And I am so grateful for being here. I'm grateful that you're here. I always love every time we talk, you've, you've got such a beautiful smile and a gentle spirit. And it's just nice to hang out with people like that. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I mean, it's, I think it's, a, I'm a mirror for other people. And so it, when I, when I see that in front of me, it comes out naturally in me. So it's always uh, fun being in these environments. It is fun. I like talking with my friends across the planet <laughs> that are waking up to this. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a great time for all of us to be getting more in tune with ourselves, right? Uh, there was a long period in my life. It took me about almost 30 years of my life to actually look inside. Up until then, I was always just focused on the outside, going out there, achieving, going out there, getting that next degree, that next achievement, whatever that is, the next step in the ladder. When I finally went through pain and suffering is when I realized, okay, there's something over here as well that I need to you know, look at and need to really dive into. Uh, so in the last about seven years of my life is that's where I've been focused on is going within to really understand what's going on. And the culmination of that is this idea of the life film and creating your story and kind of understanding what your past has led to thus far and you know where it's going in the future. So yeah, it's uh, the spiritual journey is very fascinating. Uh, you know, I've learned uh, so much about myself, and thus I've learned so much about other people through this whole process. I was uh, born and brought up in uh, in Dubai, the Middle East, and kind of like. Uh, it was the Middle East, but there were a lot of Indians there. So I was kind of, you know, amongst the Indian subcontinent and that culture. So it was a lot of competition, a lot of, uh, you know, trying to uh, outdo the other person, score better grades. Uh, and so my childhood has basically just gone in that, just being in books, studying constantly. Uh, summertime, I'd get to go out and uh, play and uh, the weekends. And then the summertime, I'd get to go out and do fun things. But otherwise, it was during the weekdays, it was just studying. That was my life. I was just so focused on that. And when I moved here to America uh, a couple of months before 9-11, it was, uh, I guess, a tumultuous time in my life. I'd never at that point left the environment that I was in for 15 years. Over there, we had all levels of school in one campus. And so we didn't really have to go to a separate campus to meet new people. It was all in the same area, same teachers. It was very familiar. So when I moved here, it was like completely new. I didn't know what was going on. I was completely shocked by everything that I was, you know, experiencing here. And I was this oddball out looking, uh, you know, with a thick uh, Indian accent, uh, not fitting in, going into junior year of high school. You know, when this is the time when in high school, everyone has formed their cliques. So I'm kind of like just standing out on the sidelines looking for other people to meet. It took me a couple of months to actually get adjusted to the life here. And during those months when I first started school, I'd remember waking up not wanting to go to school, you know, remember just crying. And my mom would just give me that little um, hope that, hey, just go today one day and it'll, it'll all be okay. So every day she'd give me that little hope. And then finally I was uh, got comfortable being in school, made some friends, and then I was, then I was okay. So it, it took me a while to get used to this environment. But then once I got used to it, I, was, I really enjoyed it. And then I was like, okay, what's next? After high school, I went to college. While I was in college, it was you know all about the books and all about studying, scoring good grades, getting great GPA. That was my life. Then what was that? What was after that? A master's degree, an advanced degree. What was after that? A PhD degree. It just kept going in that sense, and it was not heart centered at all. It was more of like the mind, just 
you know, focused on the technical aspects of things. Uh, I was in engineering, so it was all, you know, constructing and building. And so it was very, uh, mind, uh, you know, heavy mind focused work. So it's, it was that pain. You know, so when I was just graduating my PhD in the last six months, I went through this experience. You know, I was in a relationship for about a year and a half or so. And uh, the last about six months or so in this relationship was extremely difficult. Uh, finally, it ended. We both decided that, hey, this is not meant for us. Let's go our separate ways. Uh, and that's when the hardest times of my life began, after the breakup. You know, I rem remember I was still graduating. I was still working on my dissertation, on my thesis. I really had to focus and, you know, I had three months left. I really had to focus and hone in on, on this time. Uh, but I was going through this very um, pain, a lot of pain and suffering in my life. And so I'd wake up in the morning with tears in my eyes, not accepting my reality. I was, you know, I'd have dreams about that old life and I'd wake up and be like, wait, why is that not true anymore? You know, so I wouldn't accept my reality. It took a long time, about a couple of months to accept this reality. And so, but then I'd wake up every morning like that and I'd, I'd have to go directly into work, like into, you know, finishing up my graduating and all of that. Uh, so the one thing that helped me during this moment was comedy. I'd watch, uh, John Stewart was on the, the Daily Show at that time. And uh, that was a 20 minute segment that kind of brought a smile to my face and like gave me a great start to the day. And then I would go into you know, finishing up my work. So while I was going through all of this, I graduated and then I moved across country to Idaho, Boise, Idaho. I didn't even know it existed until I went there for the interview. I got a job there and that's why I moved. Now, this kind of represented a that moment of going into the cave, into that darkness. Because Idaho, I didn't know anyone there. You know, it was completely like a blank slate for me. I could have really sat down with myself and understood what was going on inside of me. But instead of doing that, I couldn't deal with that pain and suffering. It was still you know, way too fresh. So instead, I would distract myself. I'd go out, run around, you know, go... I mean... There was some good stuff I would do too, like hiking and things like that. But a lot of it was, hey, let me go party. Let me eat some nasty food. Let me, you know, whatever I could to distract myself away from that pain and suffering. Uh, and that lasted for about a year and a half or so. So finally, after so many bottles of alcohol, you know, I remember every Friday night, Saturday night, three, four of us friends would get together and drink uh, like a 750 ml bottle of Jack Daniels or one liter bottle of Jack Daniels. We'd finish that on a Friday night. We finished another bottle Saturday night, and that was just the pregame part. Uh, so it was heavy drinking for at least a year. And after that, I realized I was like killing myself with all this. I was going too fast, putting a lot of poison toxins in my body, uh, and all of this was very unconscious, not realizing I was doing this. But it was that pain and suffering that was kind of guiding all of my actions and my behaviors at that po that point in time. So when I realized that I was kind of killing myself, I had to slow down. And uh, I said, you know, I have to do something about this pain and suffering. Like, I can't go on with this anymore. You know, and so that's when I started reading uh, Deepak Chopra. I found Deepak Chopra's book called The Book of Se the Secrets. And uh, The Book of Secrets is a high-level, very spiritual book that at that time in my life, I didn't understand 95% of it. I was just beginning into spirituality, just stepping into it. I was so focused on the mind at this point. But when I picked up that book, the one thing that stuck with me was meditation. And so that word kind of stuck in my consciousness. And then I, uh, once I left that job, so then I went into this phase in my life where I was very unhappy with my job as well. Uh, and that career that I was in. So I, gra I graduated with a PhD, went through 10 years of college. And then I went, I landed this job that I was, you know, had all my bills paid for, was living this high life, 
loving everything that I was part of, but I still wasn't happy. I was still like very empty inside of me. In a way, I was drifting through my life. Uh, I felt like society and other people's voices in my head were making decisions. I wasn't truly making those decisions based on my heart and what I really was, you know, cared about. That's when I started waking up. I had this, I'd wake up with this pain in my solar plexus. And this, you know, initially it started out very subtle. Every morning I'd wake up and it was there. But then finally, about two, three months into it, I would wake up and it was like, I couldn't ignore that pain. It was so strong every morning. Uh, and I realized that, uh, so then I had to sit down with this pain and kind of understand what is this pain telling me? You know, I, I went through this unconscious sort of process of asking questions to this pain. And I, I didn't do it consciously, but one of the answers that I received is, it said, essentially, why are you going to this job that you don't really care for? You know, and then the other thing that came up is the impact that I'm making in the grand scheme of things was very, very minuscule at this point in my life. And I felt like there was something greater out there for me. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that there was something better, greater out there that would be more fulfilling for me. So at this point in my life, I realized, you know what, it's time to leave this job behind. Uh, even though I'd gone through nine and a half years of college to get this degree, to get this job, but it, it is time to leave it behind because I'm not satisfied in it. So it took me a month to convince myself, a month to convince my parents, because uh, <laughs> they had a huge role in my life. Uh, yeah. You know, and I mean, they were completely opposed to it. I told him and they were like, you're crazy. You just went through all of this and now you're going to leave your, leave this career behind completely. Why don't you find another job within the same career? Maybe with a different company, you'll, you'll like that better. And I realized, you know, I've seen a lot of my friends go through this. They'll stick with a job for two years, move on to the next company, stick with, with that job for two years, move on to the next company because they're not happy with the job. They're not happy with that whole career, but they're just trying to find happiness in different, in a different, uh, company that to work for. I realized I didn't want to do that. So I left the whole thing behind and I moved back from Idaho to Atlanta. And this is where I kind of got into entrepreneurship and using my background in PhD, I applied it to help international students who want to come to America for grad school and helping them through the whole process, understanding all of that. So that kind of got something inside of me, like woke up something inside of me, you know, wanting to help these people. Uh, there was another incident that happened while I was in Idaho. So I was dating someone at that time. She was a Buddhist girl uh, from Tibet and very different from all of the past relationships that I've had. Uh, so what? Uh, there was this one time where we were driving underneath a bridge in a Sunday afternoon. And it was kind of uh, in the summertime, so it's warm outside. And while we were driving through underneath this bridge, she looked around and saw there were homeless people you know, underneath that bridge. They were kind of made home there. And so she, the first thought that came up in her mind was, I want to get some pizza for them. And this is a person, she was working at an hourly job, making $12 an hour, working 10 hours a day to make ends meet. But she was the one that came up with, said that I want to get pizza for them. Whereas I was living this life where I had all my expenses covered. Everything was very happy life. But why didn't I have that thought of wanting to help the people around me? So when I, had, when I saw that, something kind of arose inside of me. Something said that, okay, there is something out there greater. Like the, this mind level life that you're living right now is not it. There's something more outside of this. So that incident kind of stuck with me. And since then, I've been in this journey of you know, giving as much as I can 
whether that's my time, whether that's volunteering in some form of fashion, whatever that may be, my resources, my money, whatever it is, just helping someone in some way. You know, I've realized that that is where my passion lies is I want to be there serving people, uh, you know, in whichever way it may be. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, these moments can be so significant. It's like a moment that it maybe only took 15 minutes or half an hour, but that experience dramatically changes the course of your life if you allow the message of it to really sink into your heart. And I think that what's really going to be a or is an experience that Western civilization is going through right now is moving out of so much focus on the mind and into more focus on opening the heart chakra and the heart center, because there's like different information in the heart chakra than there is in the mind, you know? And when we only live like neck up, you know, and not even there because people don't use their throat, right? So it's like chin up, you know? then we're missing out on like most of our being, you know, our body, our spirit, our heart, our soul, like we're missing out on so much. And we're just like kind of myopically focusing on this like ladder of success. Like this is how you get that successful life. But, you know, it doesn't really work for that many people. <laughs> so it does not. And I don't think it's success does not mean happiness for everyone. That kind of success, right? It's like, how do you define success? Like, if you define success by having a bunch of material stuff, well, I didn't that's... Live that life and it, it didn't make me happy. So, if someone is stri- striving for that out there, listening to this podcast, I, I can guarantee you at some point you'll realize that this is not going to make you happy. Yeah, that new Lexus, it might be nice and sleek, but yeah, it's so what? At some point, you don't really care. So, it's like finding our way in a what I call the matrix, you know, simply because it's such a alluring set of movies, right? I, I love those movies. They're so accurate in my view as to what this is, but it's like the entire thing is constructed around this idea of acquisition, of consumption. And what if we changed, like talking about before we came on, you, you pointed out my butterflies and you were like, oh, I really love those butterflies you have behind you. And I, I mentioned um, that I always have them behind me. And you asked me, well, why, you know, what's the symbolism there? And I shared that, you know, these caterpillars munch, 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 right? Like it's munch, 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 consume, 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 consume until they get nice and fat. And then at some point they go into a cocoon and they enter an alchemization where they lose themselves entirely. Like whoever they thought they were, like as a caterpillar, that identity just goes like to total mush and goo. It's like, and then in the mush and the goo and in the, in the deconstruction process, down basically to to nothingness out of the nothingness stirs their actual true self which is the butterfly you know and then the butterfly has got to stretch its wings to get out of the cocoon but so we're i think we're collectively in that like we've got a whole lot of munching going on and a whole lot of consuming without any thought for like long term like how is this going to affect the planet i don't care i'm going to get me mine today and then that's all that matters because i'm short-sighted i'm only thinking about like today and maybe next week and maybe my next promotion, but I'm not thinking about like, what's the impact of this on society? Like, how is this consumerism affecting everybody? So you came here from a totally different culture and you insert into this queered matrix of like total shine and consumerism is Westernism culture that's all based on acquisition 
I just don't think it's like, is it like that in India? I know it was about competing to get the money, but like, it seems like it's a different environment in these two it's, cultures. It's catching up actually. Oh, cause it's, it's spreading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that at some point, maybe in the nineties, India was about 10 years behind America and all of, all of the trends that America was setting. But right now, India is maybe a year behind, if that. Like it's, I mean, social media, is, it's everywhere now. So it's like spreads so fast. Consumerism has gone to India, all the designer brands, all that is there. They're consuming, consuming, consuming. And, you know, India has like 50% of the population is under 24 years of age. So there is a lot of time for people to consume now. Uh, you know, the ages, like the 50 years of uh, life left where... Yeah, so people, the businesses are wanting to go into India to promote their products and stuff because they realize there's the capacity for consumption in India is vast. So yeah, right now it's it's very very close neck to neck with uh, with America. And when I moved here, I was uh, so I'm I'm from the background of Jainism, a religion called Jainism, and essentially it's uh, the uh, the concept of nonviolence, ahimsa. You know, that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was kind of propounding, that actually comes from Jainism as well. Uh, it's one of our tenets. The, the three main tenets are nonviolence, non possessiveness, and uh, appreciating the multiplicity of viewpoints. Uh, you know, so basically saying that everyone has a perspective and their valid perspective. So that's our three main tenets. And it's very simple religion. You know, we don't eat meat. We're like if you follow it to the T, we're not we're really supposed to be eating any root vegetables like ginger and garlic and all of that because it's grown underground and there are bacteria that live underground. So when you uproot the vegetables, uproot the garlic, it's kind of disturbing the bacteria, that society, the culture there, the environment there. When we speak, we're supposed to cover our mouths. There's like a little, kind of like a mask. You put a mask on. The whole idea is because there are bacteria that live around you when you're speaking, it's kind of disturbing that environment there. So very, very conscious about every little, you know, every little step that they take in life uh, and very leading a very simple life. So that's kind of my background of, you know, through Jainism and then coming to America and you see, you know, name brands, designer brands, people just going crazy over, you know, standing in lines for Apple phones and overnight. And, you know, and mind you, I've done that too, right? Back in the day on Thanksgiving Day, whenever they have those sales, I, I was one day, one time I was standing outside of Best Buy to get this laptop that I really wanted because it was $200 as opposed to $1,000. Uh, so I've done that. But now waking up and realizing that that is just, you know, I, I wasn't doing anything productive with it. I was just consuming, consuming, just wanting to, you know, get that next thing. And now I've started to switch into the mode of pr producing. Let me produce something. Let me create something that other people can benefit from. You know, whether that is the digital course that I'm working on, whether that's other products, uh, other services that I offer, but it's in, 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 in this essence of, hey, let me see how I can help another person, support them in their business, support them in their life, help them live a better life in whatever way that may be. And, you know, the other thing I've been focusing for 2022, one of my kind of key words for 2022 is to live with ease. You know, in uh, situations of like this, when I'm interviewing or being interviewed or speaking to a group of people, I always get nervous. I always get very tense, very, I'll you know, start sweating from all the wrong places. Uh, this was the 10 years ago. That was the me 10 years ago. Uh, actually, even five, like three years ago, that was the me. Uh, the 2021, 2022, I, I said, you know what? I need to make the switch. 
I have to get at comfortable. I want to get at ease while I'm in these situations, being in front of a podcast or whether that's a live audience or a virtual audience. Uh, and so what I've done is I've put myself on all these different podcasts, gotten all these interviews in front of me that way. I've through this through time, I've gotten more at ease in these situations. I think it's, uh, you know, finding ways to, uh, to put people at ease. I think that's super power that uh, very few people have. I think, Carrie, you have that too. Uh, your voice and the way you converse. I think it's, it just puts other people at ease and helps them open up and share, uh, you know, their uh, everything. Yeah. I mean, I feel, well, thank you. And I can relate to that. It is a process to get comfortable being recorded on a video stream that is going to live forever, probably. And what if I say the wrong thing or somebody gets upset or this and that. But I think that you know, there's a couple of things that go along with this matrix, which are really interesting. I'd like to explore with you. And one of them is this idea of being perfect and having everything perfectly. And I think that drives this need to consume, right? So it's like, if I want to live the perfect life, this is what it looks like. I've seen it in the magazines and now I've got to have those things and, and, and surround myself with those things versus really understanding that it's an inner job. So when we're in the mode of being perfect, then there's that narcissistic part of the personality that comes forward that kind of leads everything. And it feels inauthentic. It feels like you're being a politician and you're sort of just, you know, presenting an image, right? But at some point when you switch and you decide to be vulnerable and transparent and messy and human and share from your heart and accept your own self and your own journey, which has been a huge part of my healing is accepting myself, allowing and accept, embracing that I'm a firebrand. Sometimes I say stuff that pisses people off and I just got to apologize in retrospect and say, I'm so sorry. And as I've learned to accept that part of me, that's opinionated, that's like, I don't like this, or I want to speak up, or I've got a different perspective than the rest and I want to share it. I embrace that part. I embrace myself and I can embrace you. And so I think it's all really also tied into that like thing that you mentioned, the tenet from your religion about accepting the many different voices, right? And even within ourselves, there's many different voices, you know? So like getting to know those voices within and accepting, allowing, and embracing them. It's just like a whole process that I feel is like we're on the cusp in Western civilization, or at least in the U.S., or in certain pockets, have been exploring this deeply, and I think we're on the cusp of a mainstream exploration of this. It's just like budding up out of the wildflowers, out of the earth, like everywhere, where people are trying psychedelics and people are like opening up the inner journey. People are doing yoga, meditating, contemplating, talking about, and then it's like it's all starting to come up now that inner journey being more important than the outer perception of you. Yes. Completely agree with that. You know, recently I just read that uh, there was this NFL quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, out of the Green Bay Packers. He was on a podcast, the Marcus Aubrey podcast, and he was talking about his ayahuasca journey. And so now what the, the, the news article that I read was the NFL is says that ayahuasca is not part of their banned substance policy and things like that. So he's not uh, Aaron Rodgers is not going to get fined or anything uh, because that was legal in, in, in their eyes. Uh, so ayahuasca is becoming mainstream because, I mean, NFL 
footballers. Like this is a super. And Will star. Smith, Will Smith too. Yeah. He, he put it in his book. Will yeah. Smith. Yep. Yep. And Will Smith is uh, very spiritual. I mean, he's, uh, you know, I, I'd seen his video with the uh, meeting with Sadhguru when he had come to LA and, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, he's deep into it. He's gone to India and, you know, visited uh, the river Ganges where, you know, the very high, highly spiritual places in India. So yeah, it's, it's, it's spreading. And I feel like as more and more people wake up, you know, like you were saying, they're coming, uh, you know, budding out of the ground. As more and more people are waking up, they're going into this, uh, in this, into the cycle of waking other people up as well, you know? And so once that starts spreading and more and more kind of get into this ball, it's just going to roll and, you know, become that snowball and it's, it's going to be unstoppable at some point. Uh, right now there are forces maybe working behind the scenes to hold everything together, hold all of these pieces together, like the matrix, you know, kind of hold all of it together, but it's illusion. And I think that's, it's been all of the stories that we've been told. It's been all of the, the narrative out there is it's being controlled and manipulated. And I feel like more and more people are realizing this and kind of waking up to this fact that what we're being told may not be the whole truth. There might be more to it that is kind of uh, being hidden or not being shared. Uh, and so I feel like, uh, you know, as uh, when more and more people wake up, it's going to be time for all these forces, all these powers that are kind of behind the scenes working actively, they're going to start uh, falling apart. And that's going to be a great time for everyone, huh? <laughs> yeah, more freedom. You know, a couple of things I'm thinking about as you're, as you're sharing is like, well, the first thing is, I bet it's, I just imagine that for you coming to this country, it might have been shocking coming from a, a religion where they value different perspectives to come into a place where it's, there's like intolerance of different people's perspective, you know, because that's really, even though we call America the melting pot, it's kind of not really true. It's kind of like, no, only if you agree with me. <laughs> it's a boiling pot, not a melting pot. <laughs> it's a boiling pot. <laughs> it's like you shall be melted down and boiled until you comply with yeah. uh, the way we see things, right? Isn't it kind of like that? It is. It, is. it very so is. And yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate that it's like that. You know, it's not open. It's uh, Politics is supposed to be for everyone, but I feel like it's being controlled in many ways that that's the nature of the beast. And as more and more people wake up, they're going to step out of that system. They're going to start realizing things and they won't subscribe to it anymore. I feel like it's what most of us subscribe to. That's what's accepted in, in, you know, in, in life. And as people are stopped subscribing to these different ideas or these different thought processes, they're going to, uh, yeah, things are going to start switching. I feel like it, the key lies in that recognition or the relaxing into the self, right? The relaxing into who you are in truth, it's like when you're really in that place of accepting yourself, you don't need to defend yourself. So not needing to defend yourself means you can listen to different perspectives without being threatened. But while you don't accept yourself and you're in a sort of culture that says in order to be accepted, you have to fit in and comply, then there is like this dogmatic like intolerance towards other other people's cultures, perspectives religions. I mean, and that intolerance is what creates war and conflict versus like the talking stick. I love the talking stick from the Native American traditions as just a way of of saying there's value in every perspective from the youngest of us to the oldest of us, that all of it needs to be heard before we come to a decision. And that's what they did in the in the tribal system. And they still do today 
is they practice the use of the talking stick. It's like, you have the talking stick, it's your turn to share. And then it goes to the next person and everybody's heard before a decision's made. That's what's missing in our society and in our world, really. Yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, the part of that is like the humanity within people, right? I, I don't think it's there yet. At least not the I mean, minority of us have that. It's, it's kind of coming out. But a lot of us are missing that humanity within. And I didn't have it for, for a while in my life. You know, I was like that mind brain. It's not, it's not heart centered, which is where humanity comes from. And just that, you know, care and loving for another person or, and for the self as well. Like you mentioned, you know, it starts from within and it, it is an inner game at the end of the day. It's, it starts from within. If you don't, if you're in conflict with yourself, you're going to find conflict everywhere around you as well. And you want to, you'll want to get into more conflict. And so, yeah, it's, it's, like you said, it's perfectly right, like tranquility and serenity from within. And that's where it starts. Yeah. But in order to get to um, interested in tranquility and serenity, but then we got to suffer, don't we? We do, have to <laughs> we do have to suffer. I mean, like the the caterpillar has to go through its journey. We have to go through our journey. I mean, I'll tell you the two years in my life where I was going through all of that pain and suffering, I wasn't diagnosed clinically as depressed, but I would say I was. It was a very rough time. I mean, I was, I was dating another person, but I still wasn't happy because I was so focused on that relationship because it was, in a way, it was perfect. Like it was that relationship that I really wanted to have. I had seen myself, you know, with her living in suburbia with two kids and a dog and that whole life, the American dream. And when that fell apart, I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't accept myself. You know, I felt like a lot of my self-worth was also on her, was dependent on her. Uh, and once that uh, fell apart, I, was like, I lost that confidence in myself as well. So it took a lot of time to get myself, to get that confidence back in me and uh, uh, be able to put myself out there. Uh, yeah, but it's, you have to go through that pain and suffering. Well, most people go through that pain and suffering to get to that point of spirituality and opening up. But some people are naturally curious that... Uh, they kind of get there on their own as well. I've seen that, but not a, not a whole lot. Yeah, usually we, we get stubborn and intolerant and just keep going, right? In the direction that we shouldn't be going. It's like looking for love in all the wrong places. I actually love listening to songs now because, you know, mainstream songs everybody loves, like looking for love in all the wrong places. It's like, dude, that's the journey. Like until you realize it's not out there, you yeah. keep looking everywhere. And then you, you actually find it within. That's the only place it is. But until we know that, we kind of can get inspired by other people. Like you were so inspired by this muse that you had in your life that was like pointing you to something that you wanted to awaken within yourself potentially. But it's not meant to be like the answer, the end of the story for those of us who are really meant to wake up in this lifetime so sometimes, unfortunately, and, and somebody, a beloved person in my life is going through this right now. It's like um, that person that you, that it means so much that woke something up in you that you admired so much. You wanted to spend all that time with them and call them your person. Sometimes they move on. And then that moving on is that opportunity to feel that pain and really appreciate how much that meant to you. And then explore like, what is it? that that person represented that means so much to me that I want to awaken within myself. Yeah, I completely agree that uh, it took me a long time to kind of get to that point of acceptance of, because of the, initially like two years, there was a lot of like conflict, just resisting the whole situation. I didn't 
wanted, yeah, I wanted to get, to get back with her and all of that. Uh, so it's got very, a lot of resistance, but finally it took me like a few years to get to the point of, um, okay, let me just accept the situation and be grateful for the times I've had with her. Be grateful for everything that she's taught me. I mean, I really appreciated the confidence that she had, the confidence that she carried herself with. And I think that was one of the reasons that I got really attracted to her because I also, I lacked that confidence, right? So that was one of the, the needs that I was looking for in the sense that, uh, I would get very nervous. I'd, I'd bite my nails constantly before her. But after we broke up, after, like during the relationship, I stopped biting my nails because I saw that confident in her. So I, I didn't get nervous and I was also confident as well. So yeah, it, it, I think it takes a while for people to finally accept that, okay, this person actually did some good in my life. You know, they, they were beneficial in a lot of different ways. And there was just a few ways that we didn't work out, but it, it took me a while to get there. And I think it'll, it definitely will take people as well. Yeah. And take the journey, like go into the mystery of it, have curiosity and don't rush yourself. Like if you feel angry, feel angry. If you feel betrayed, feel betrayed. If you feel pain, feel pain. If you feel grief, feel grief and let it be what it is because that's the whole experience, right? We're not here to just like skate skate along on the perfect cloud, you know, and never have any bad, you know, this whole good, bad thing. That's like really kind of not true, right? Yeah, I mean, good and bad is uh, subjective, right? Like what's good and bad for you is different for me. And so it's... Uh, and that's because you understand different perspectives, right? And so, yeah, yeah, it's all tied to this shift in consciousness out of like, there's one right way to do it. And it's written in this certain book. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Every other way is ridiculous. No, your way is wrong. My way is right. Yeah. And that, that way has led to so much destruction on the planet and, and, and just pain and suffering of peoples for centuries. And now we need to move beyond that, right? We need to like accept that there are different designs and it's intentional so we can learn from each other. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you, you mentioned curiosity. Uh, I feel like when we get into that mind centered space, the curiosity kind of dies, at least it did in me. So awakening that curiosity inside of you, uh, I think that's uh, something that somewhere the people can start as well. You know, if they're if they, they don't want to go through that pain and suffering route, then finding a way to awaken that curiosity inside of you and be curious about things, because I think our school system, education system, kind of kills that curiosity, the creativity inside of us uh, as kids, and uh, finding a way to get back to that. You know, it's just like uh, I think it was Frederick Nietzsche who kind of written this the journey of a person where they start off as a baby and then they go through three different phases. The first one's a camel phase. The second one's a lion phase. And the third one's the baby phase. Again, the camel phase is where they want to go out into this world and take on burdens on themselves. They want to, you know, kind of fight and have that resistance inside of them and just push, push, push kind of the lion is that I'm going to take, um, you know, it's like that activated solar plexus. I'm going to take action. I'm going to charge ahead. I'm going to, you know, like that uh, mentality of I'm going to just get it, get it, seize the day and get that shit done, that kind of thing. And then finally getting back to that baby phase where, you know, just playing with life, just being very playful, bringing this uh, jolly environment and uh, you know, in flow, like allowing things to happen as opposed to taking control. Uh, and so I think there's, and I've, I've gone through this as well. You know, I've seen different phases where I'm in the camel and then I've gone to uh, transform to the lion and then back to the baby. Uh, so I'm kind of like transitioning to that baby phase now is being more at ease and just more joyful and whatever experience that comes about, whether that's uh, anger, whether that's grief, whatever it is, just allowing that to be. And 
Uh, there was the times that where I would push it away, like, oh, this is the wrong thing to feel right now. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be feeling like this. Why am I feeling like this? And I'd want to run away from it, uh, realizing that, no, it's okay. It's all right. It's okay to feel like that uh, and accepting that. So what I love this, and that points to innocence, right? It's that curious innocence. And, and innocence says, I don't, like babies, they don't know what's going to happen next. They're delighted by the whole thing. They're just like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I did this. And then they find out, right? So what if the whole world, what if, what if a, you know, a tipping point of humanity, some tipping point number of humanity was able to get to the place of knowing themselves in truth and being curious, being open to listen to each other, being secure in themselves, what would happen on the planet, do you think? Oh, we're going to be elevating consciousness so quick. <laughs> because they're coming together, right? Like there's a focused community convergence of the energy. Yeah. And then, you know, when you have that focused energy, more and more people are going to flock to it. More and more people are going to start waking up because they're going to see light in, in this, you know, focused energy. And so that's going to, you know, the tipping point is going to start like just going like snowball effect and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's just going to elevate consciousness so quickly. Yeah. So keep doing what you're doing, everybody. You guys are listening to this podcast. You are engaged in the process of elevating consciousness. We talked about this in the second wave book. Jennifer Huff, one of my contributors, talked about how we are beings of light and we're always transmitting our photon beams of light out to other people, just like plants, you know? So we're always sharing our light frequencies. So, you know, as we're having this conversation, Varun and I have been having and sharing with everybody who's listening, even if you haven't been watching us, you're still receiving it through the frequency of our voices and the combinations of the energies. And so you've been included on this. And so we're all agreeing to this convergence of the kind of world we want to see happen, of the kind of experience we want to have on earth, more peaceful, more curious, more innocent, more creative. And we're all kind of co-creating that even right now in this moment. And whoever's listening and tuning in and sharing it out with some more friends, that's creating this energy even bigger. And this is just one small example of how we're changing the planet, isn't it, Varun? Oh, definitely. This is, I don't know if it's a small example. It's a great example. <laughs> and I think it's needed. Everyone putting in their bit, it's all needed to transform ourselves and then transform this earth so that, you know, we can make it a long lasting place to be. You know, we, we, like, we don't want to think about sustainability. And like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people are focused on, their lifetime and that's it like i don't care what happens after i die you know i don't care what happens after this decade it's just this decade i'm gonna uh consume 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 take 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 as much as i can because it's all about me uh and kind of removing yourself from that mindset and realizing that look we're all in this together we're literally one big boat moving in a direction and if we don't row together we won't go anywhere we're just going to stay in the same place uh so we gotta you know be very conscious about every action that we take we got to be conscious about every word that we speak and be conscious about the thoughts that we have all of it's very important ah oh, potent words from varun thank you so much for coming on i know that you have your new course and it's on your website i will put the link in the show notes is there any last thing you want to share before we um before we give people kisses uh, on the way out yeah, you know, I actually wanted to bring up a little project that we've been working on. This is for the last two years since the pandemic started. Kind of the background, the backstory behind this is uh, 
you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, businesses started closing down, you know, we didn't know there's a lot of uncertainty. People started losing their jobs. They didn't have income. They couldn't put food on the table. And uh, so in April, 2020, I got this call from a friend who put together different cultural events and things like that. And he said, you know what, there's this organization that wants to donate funds. They don't know what to do, but they're looking to get our help. You know, what can we offer? And so him and I kind of brainstormed a few ideas and we came up with this uh, idea of providing food, uh, like grocery supplies to people. Uh, and so we met up one Sunday, we got a group of volunteers, got up all these resources, and we started creating grocery bags of supplies to people. The first time we met, we made 400 bags. Then we said, okay, let's meet again next Sunday, next Sunday and following Sunday. And we finally ended up meeting for about 20 Sundays. Uh, we put together uh, 8,400 grocery bags. And uh, in the first few weeks, we realized that not everyone has the space to uh, prepare, prepare the meals you know, take the supplies and cook. So we said, why not prepare hot meals? And so we started preparing hot meals in our kitchen. And we started with 100 meals, 200 meals. Gradually, we went up to 1,000 meals every Sunday. Now we're doing somewhere between 1,500 to 2,000 meals. And uh, last month, we crossed uh, 200,000 meals. Uh, we've been continuing to do this, doing this all the way through 2022. And we'll be doing it in 2023 as well. So this is in the LA area. We've been feeding the homeless population, the women, the abused women, neglected people. Whoever is uh, hungry, we're feeding them. Every Sunday, we prepare about 1,500 to 2,000 meals. And uh, for this, we're running a kind of GoFundMe campaign to raise funds. Uh, so if anyone's interested in donating, uh, please, uh, I'll, I'll share the GoFundMe link with you, Kerry, if you could put that in the show notes. Uh, you know, we'd love to have any kind of donations. Also, if, you're, if you live in the LA area, uh, in the Orange County area, you want to volunteer on Sunday morning, reach out to me. We'd love to have you. We'd love to in, include you in our community and uh, you know help and serve people and feed people who really need the food. Um, that is really beautiful. Thank you so much for bringing that into the episode and sharing that with people. I will definitely put the link in your GoFundMe and please consider everybody who's listening, making a donation and supporting this. I mean, this is really a demonstration of taking inspired action that supports a bunch of people during a time when they actually need some help and love and support. And help you know, them get we, realize, that. we realize there's so many people out there that are living out on the streets that, are, that go hungry every night. There are organizations that want to go out and do the good work of giving out the food to them, right? They have volunteers. They want to do that. One of their kind of point, uh, the, the place that they need to help with is preparing the meals. Because they would have to raise donations, buy the supplies, prepare the food, and then go out into the streets to deliver the meals. We said, you know what? Let's just we'll we'll take care of the donations. We'll take care of the preparing the meals. You come pick up the meals from us. Go out into the streets, into your neighborhoods, and distribute them. And that's how we have operated, and it's been very successful. Also, the other thing is, if anyone is interested in doing something similar in their city, we are actually creating a template for being able to replicate what we're doing here. On any level, if you want to create 100 meals, if you want to create 200 meals, you want to create 10,000 meals, you could do all of that um, through this template. So reach out to me for that as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Perfect. Well, I will definitely include that in the show notes. That's gorgeous. Thank you so much for sharing that and for doing your good work in the world and helping others. That's the kind of world I want to see New Earth become. And so thanks for doing that, that legwork to make it so. And in the meantime, please, everybody, like, share, subscribe. 
share this out with people who might be interested in these messages we heard today and uh, give us a rating. Um, that helps just get the word out even more and grow this conversation. Let's grow this kind of conversation. Uh, this kind of conversation is going someplace productive for the long term. So let's grow this. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to give you guys kisses. Thanks for staying until the end. We appreciate you. And here come your kisses. You want to join me, uh, Varun, with some kisses? We love you, people. <laughs> we love you so much. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of the nectar From the source of who you are